0: this next decade will be the period of like true adoption, like the brands who truly have consumers that adopt their products are going to be the ones that win over the next 10 years. And I think the the trial and errors will fade out a lot quicker.
1: I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Nick Edgeloni, who is the co-founder of Truff. Nick, welcome to the show. How are we doing? Thanks, thanks for having us on. Excited for the conversation. So I want to start with uh, you know the story of the business. How did you create Truff, and what inspired you to use Truffles as the, the core ingredient?
0: Yeah, so it's probably, probably not the story you're expecting, but um, it didn't start with a hot sauce at all. I met my co-founder, who's also named Nick, in college. And we did a lot of kind of fun business projects in college, but right after we graduate, uh, he had gotten the Instagram name sauce, just like the word sauce, as a handle. And we started building up this very cool kind of account for like pop culture foodies, I guess you would say, and it included a ton of different types of content, but you know, mainly food stuff, things that we thought were saucy things that we thought were like relevant to culture. And we kind of amassed this like food following um, over the course of like, you know, five or six months. And along the way, we kind of came up with this idea that we should make a sauce that was kind of tailored towards this account, towards this following. And so we looked at the different sauces that were out there in all categories, not just hot sauce. And we saw like, you know, what can we do differently here? How can we kind of approach a sauce and as the new wave, I guess you would say. And so we landed on looking at the hot sauce market specifically just because for us, it was like relevant to culture and relevant to pop culture. It was kind of having its moment going from just like something that cult foodies use to like more mainstream. And so we wanted to play in that space. There was a lot of things we saw in in hot sauce and a few things we didn't. I guess all the things we didn't see are what is now Truff and one of those being upscale hot sauce, something on the higher end. Something that was packaged in a way that was kind of unique and forward-thinking, obviously using the internet, using our digitally native roots to to tell the story, and you know coming up with a formula that was top shelf and and could speak to kind of a, a higher price point in the category. So you know we landed on truffle as a, as a hero ingredient to kind of elevate elevate the product, and we created an amazing hot sauce around truffle and the use of truffle.
1: You know, so related to that, you know, truffles have really become this um, pretty amazing ingredient in terms of the growth that's been happening of going from something that was a really high end kind of limited use case to something's proliferating a lot of different places. Why do you think this mainstream luxury is kind of emerging around this hero ingredient?
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to exactly pinpoint, but I think there's a few kind of patterns at play. I think one of them undoubtedly is the internet and Instagram and You know, kind of that desire for things that are cool and luxe and and upscale. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to use truffle was because the appeal of the visual of shading truffles on things. Truffles, I think, were more of a if you know, you know type thing where, you know, a lot of people didn't know what they were. A lot of people thought they were chocolate related or they hadn't heard of truffle. And, but the foodies that did and the people that did were like, oh my God, I love truffle. This, this, and that. And so it's one of those things that are somewhat hard to attain, but, you know, over the years, they've become a little bit more and more mainstream because I think awareness is going up and I think, you know, brands like us are bringing to light the value and specialness, if that's a word, of truffle and, you know, presenting them to the consumer in more attainable ways versus just like having to go to like a fine dining restaurant and paying the add-on, you know? And so I think... The flywheel started uh, on the internet and, you know, truffles have since become a lot more mainstream and they continue to, to kind of be a part of the food scene.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, kind of the hot sauce was one of your, you know, was your hero kind of product as you launched. You guys took a really different approach because most hot sauces, the category was about the hotter the sauce, the better. And that was the buzz. You guys have changed buzz to be something different, talking about truff and, you know, everything overall. What do you think has been so useful in how you changed that conversation and created the buzz about the hot sauce initially?
0: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. So there's a couple, couple layers there. I would say one is truff in general. We're we're a flavor focused hot sauce. We're no doubt a hot sauce. We're we're spicy and we use chili peppers and whatnot. But the goal was never to like burn someone's tongue off or overpower the meal. The goal was to kind of like elevate the the dining experience at home and. One of the other layers, though, is that if you look at truffle in general, it's it's delicate and it's not something you'd really kill with the concept of heat. Like, culinarily speaking, it's not it's not it doesn't make sense. You know, why would you take something so delicate, so expensive, and burn it? And so, I think we found an amazing balance between using truffle to, you know, when you taste truffle, I, I, I don't know if you have or haven't, but to you know undoubtedly it's a flavor that's like wow what is this this is amazing i've never had anything like this and so that unique element but not to a point where it's overpowering to a point where a lot of people say you know they open truffle products and she's like whoa that's a lot of aroma or a lot of this and the goal was to incorporate truffle and do it in a way that was not following the trend in the category of just like how hot can we go how hot can we go and now along the way we had the hot sauce connoisseurs were like, I love it, but make it hotter. And we used our hotter sauce, but for us, the goal is flavor focused. And one of the kind of data points that we've found interesting over the years is that a huge portion of our consumers are actually first time hot sauce users. And so they weren't heat seekers before, but now they'll try it because of the other things Truff has to offer.
1: One of the things that uh, from a go to market that you've really embraced is partnerships, influencer moments, et cetera. Do you have a checklist as you think about who you engage with and who makes right to be associated with the trough brand?
0: We kind of have a checklist, but it's more of like an intuitive checklist. It's not like something on paper. I think above all is authenticity. So we never want to force something or slap our name on a bunch of things for like some random goal for us it's like hey can this moment be sought after in a way that, that the consumer sees it and they're like wow like i need to get my hands on this or wow what a what a concept and you know i think recent examples is like our hidden valley ranch collaboration where you take this kind of household name creator of ranch dressing and you pair it with kind of a new age luxury hot sauce into this insane flavor profile package in this Magnum bottle and it like broke the internet and sold out in a minute. And for us, like the potency of that moment is I think what we're after versus just like collaborating with anyone and everyone just for the sake of doing it. I think another cool recent partnership in Taco Bell was the nostalgia of our consumer, right? Like we all grew up going to Taco Bell, middle school, high school, you know, we still occasionally stop in and, you know, Pairing that childhood nostalgia and beyond with, with, you know, a product you're probably eating more often now in truff, I think it just struck a chord and it resonates in a way that, you know, those are the moments we're after. And so for us, we'd rather do one thing every year <clears throat> or one thing every two years versus like 10 a year just to do them. And so we're definitely after like the authenticity.
1: So when you go after that authenticity, is it a pull or is it a push? Are you reaching out to those brands that you think are a great fit, or are they coming inbound to you?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a marriage of the two. I think in one of the instances we pushed, and the other we were pulled. But it's never it should never feel forceful. It's it's actually it should feel actually natural for both sides too. And both conversations started with like, hey, we should have a conversation, not like, hey, we want to do this. And I think you know both of our teams saw like hey there's something very special here if we can execute it properly you know it'll it'll strike the chord and so it's definitely i mean someone's got to make the move (laughs) and so you know with taco bell we reached out the the head of, of pr there actually was a school colleague of mine who i didn't met in school but uh michelle our director of marketing told me after like hey you guys both went to the same school you should ping her and then i think in the case of hidden valley they reached out to one of our team members to, to
1: connect. And when you look at those partnerships, does it all have to revolve around a collaborative product that both brands kind of fit into? Or how are you looking at that from a marketing versus product standpoint?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, in, on paper, like it makes the most sense just to like, what are we partnering about if it's not about our product? You know, in other industries, like merch drops, you'll have like collabs or, you know, music collabs. But in our case, I think we're looking to align with, usually food products i don't know if you're familiar with warren lotus the fashion brand we did a very cool white hotter sauce version with with warren and his team and he's kind of known for his iconic skull image and so we did a cap that was a skull and you know obviously you can't wear it it's still a food product but we we incorporated both elements and that was more of a streetwear appeal and we can send a photo over just for you to check it out but I think the goal is to tell the story of both brands into one product, whatever that
1: product is. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world, helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So when you look at, you know, on one hand, you just talked about this amazing kind of streetwear brand that you partnered with and then on the other hand you had more traditional household names of taco bell hidden valley what is that common thread that makes it be authentic when you look at the wide variety of brands that go into it
0: yeah that's that's a actually an incredible question i think my version of the answer would be our roots have always been in pop culture our foodie account our at sauce account before was our Truff account was you know heavily culture focused i think that was one of the holes we saw in the market was you know, no hot sauce was really lifestyle. They didn't really resonate with like the way of living. And so in the case of the fashion collab, it, you know, Warren Lotus is as hot as any streetwear brand. You know, they're defining the, you can see LeBron wearing them courtside. Like it's as cool as it gets. In addition, I think the Warren, you know, Warren and Stowe, you know, are friends with the brand there. They love the pro- our product and we love theirs. And so in that way, it was just authentic. I think Hidden Valley made sense because... We're both condiments and there are so many customers online literally showing us, we're mixing Hidden Valley and Truff, like Truff should make a ranch or, you know, Hidden Valley should be spicy. And it was literally something that consumers were already doing. So again, back to that authenticity word, it's, I know they like food and fashion might not necessarily seem like parallel categories, but the way our brand is positioned, we're able to play within both and do it in a way that feels like true to Truff.
1: Related to that, you know, because of the success in large part that you guys have had recently, truffles becoming more mainstream, and we're seeing a lot of other brands start launching truffle type experiences. How do you maintain your leadership in the category of the being a flavor brand as others are using the ingredient as the message? I think we've always been focused
0: on. We use the phrase like building the tallest building, and you know, we don't want to rip everyone else's building down. We just want Want to make sure our, or like work to for ours to be the tallest. There's been a lot of entrance in truffle since we came out in all facets. You know, not just sauce. There's been so many. There's been a lot of me too's. There's been a lot of you know different food products. You know, there's been retailers that have launched their own version of our products. I'm a believer that you know rising tides raise all boats if that's the saying. So by all means that uh, we 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 want all both the hot sauce and the truffle category to grow. But I do think consumers can feel pretty clearly when something is not as authentic as as another. I think with Truff, like we've never tried to be anyone else. We've never, you know, looked at another brand to imitate. And we've always kind of led the way and and did that with with our own intuition. And so I think over time, that's what building a brand is. It's it's, you know, we could have many products, but it doesn't mean we'll have a good brand. And so we've always led with brand first. And in doing so, I think
1: what we're doing kind of speaks for itself. On that note of speaking for itself, you guys have had tremendous growth over the last few years in terms of the retail distribution. You're now in some of the largest retailers out there, whether it's Walmart or Target or Costco or Kroger's. You know, as a result, you're within 10 miles of pretty much any American out there. What's driven that strategy to really go deep in those traditional retailers with your brand? Right. Yeah. So
0: we... St- we launched a business totally online with select retailers, you know, places that five years ago we thought would be able to take this kind of new product and put it on a shelf and sell it at the price that we needed to sell it at, which was, you know, roughly $18. And so we were all e-com with, with luxury retail, you know, boutiques, wine and cheese shops, and even markets, et cetera. And then I think everything from there has been brick by brick. And so our e-com grew finally made our way to Amazon with the Oprah list. We, we were on the list and we were on it, we've been on it four times, but that first year they were kind of partnering with Amazon. So we finally said, okay, we'll be on Amazon. You know, then we launched Whole Foods in a small region and Whole Foods Nationwide, Wegmans alongside that. And so we kind of had this data set of kind of premium retailers and we were able to see the velocity, see the price, and then, you know, just get slowly wider. I think the Landscape has changed over the years, and so ecom is still an incredible channel for us. But it's not where we're building the brand anymore. I think earlier on, you could tell the story, build the brand, and acquire customers, and kind of gain momentum from a revenue basis all at the same time. Whereas now, I think we're out there enough to where our awareness kind of reached a point where we can be in a lot more doors, and also our supply chain has has grown tremendously. And so where we used to sell at eighteen, now we're fourteen ninety nine which opens the door to a wide range of, of retailers. And so, you know, if you look at our, our offering today, we're in roughly 20,000 doors. Like you said, 10 miles of pretty much every American. And for us, it's, it's amazing because we can do these awesome digital campaigns and boom, someone can go grab Truff pretty close by.
1: Related to that, you know, we're coming off of probably a, a decade that's been the most creation of new brands, new innovation that really we've ever seen and it's largely been by new entrants taking categories changing them revolutionizing them how do you think we look at the next 10 years in terms of brand creation and you know big companies catching up or is it these little you know the smaller companies more nimble turning into that next ge- generation of brands that lead the categories continuously
0: yeah i think it's a double edged sword so that is what we saw in the last decade i think we were in an economic boom, and so there was a lot of capital available for brands to raise money to try these new things, coupled with a time where you could look a lot bigger than you might be on social media. And so I don't know if this is the the exact answer you're looking for, but if you really take a step back, I think what we've seen in the last in the 2010s was a lot of ambition, a lot of trial of brands trying to do something that no one's ever done before. A lot of trends that were able to spread quickly, you know, any food trend you could think of, plant-based, vegan, paleo, carnivore, the list goes on. And products around these keto, you know, products around these trends. And then um, I'd say trends, brands riding trends and then trends kind of maybe not living up to what they were going to be. And so as we enter the 2020s of obviously this new economic climate, I think capital is less readily available and I think brands are forced to be profitable and I actually think things are going the other way, I still think there will be a wide variety of innovative products that consumers adopt at like a high scale, but I don't see the level of like micro innovation happening like it did before where you know, every new week, there's a new trend and a new new product around that trend. And even if you just walk around Expo West, or we had it a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure if you were there, things that were all over the place last year, just those boosts aren't there anymore in certain categories. And so I think, you know, long term, this next decade will be the period of like, true adoption, like the, the brands who truly have consumers that adopt their products are going to be the ones that win over the next 10 years. And I think the the trial and errors will fade out a lot quicker.
1: Related to that, and you know, a lot of entrepreneurs look up to the the growth that you and your co-founder both have had. What advice do you give somebody that's trying to start today that wants to build, has that insight for that new business? How do they think about embracing that and building towards profitability, et cetera?
0: Yeah. So so no two businesses are the exact same, kind of from what we've learned. And so. My advice would be tailored to the the goggles I have on from my experiences, but I think there's still principles that apply. The first thing I think everyone starting a business, especially in our, our category or our space, food and beverage should do is really take a step back and say, should this business be started? You know, does this, is it a hobby? Is it a passion project? Why am I in this? I think kind of going back to the 2010s, there was a lot of desire to like, people to be like the cool founder online and have the Twitter presence and the LinkedIn presence and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, people were starting businesses just so they could be founders versus like truly being kind of entrepreneurs who are truly identifying like an opportunity that they think will make people's lives, you know, easier or better. And so I think rule number one is always like, is there actually a need for this business? Like, am I me too? Am I trying to be like someone else? And if you are, like, I'm not saying don't start it, but I would just like take a step back and analyze like the why. The next thing I would say is to just, you know, take another step back and say, hey, am I willing to do this for a decade? How patient am I? Am I looking to just raise a bunch of money and and get off the ground and see where it goes? Or do I really believe in this mission? And am I, you know, willing to, you know, bunker in and, and figure it out? You know, as much success as we're having, it's been it's been a, a grind, and it's been an awesome grind, and we've been fortunate to have the trajectory we've had. But you know, nothing's a cakewalk, and so I'd think like I'd tell people to really kind of think through the realities of what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's kind of like a soul searching process, and then if you can get through all that, work on the on the the financials, right? Like, what can we make this for? What can we sell this for? How big is the category? A lot of times, people get into categories, and it's cool, but like, you know, the whole category is a few million bucks across the country. There's only so many people buying that thing in the first place or the category is not growing and there isn't really promise in the future. And so I think just like doing the common sense mental math on just the business economics is is a big, that would, if people did that, I think it would steer a lot of businesses away from the beginning.
1: Love that. Well, that is a perfect point to kind of end on. So I really appreciate you saying down and Sharing the story of how you built trough and the amazing journey you guys have been on. Totally, yeah. Thanks for having us. This is, this is a fun one. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.